Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. He brings the passion. For what? I want to know now. I'm, I'm mentally invested. Don't tell me to pray and you don't say what for. He brings the perspective. Yeah, I think they both have a great point. Get off me, text line. Uh, he's truly one of a kind. That is wow. Oh, my God. Oh. And he's doing a great job. I okay. need you to man up and say what you really want to say. I mean, you're doing a great job. And together, they are Stiney and Guru. Yeah. On 95.7 The Game. All right, Barrya. Life comes at you fast. And when it rains, it pours. In the name and the words of Steve Kerr. This is Evan Giddings alongside Jason Dumas here with you, filling in for Steiny and Guru. And, and look, Jay, you know, this is a point where the Golden State Warriors are hurting. I know those that are familiar with what's been going on at the station understand that, that some of the people at this station are hurting. And so first and foremost, I want to send my love out to Matt Steinmetz, Absolutely. Joe Shasky, um, and of course, Daryl Guru Johnson, who's with his family right now. There's there's a lot going on right now, but I'm happy to be rocking with you here on a beautiful Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Much love to all of our uh, co-workers. They're like family, obviously, and we wish them the best in uh, all their family stuff going on because, you know, we're on these radio airwaves all day long and we're doing this media thing and you know sometimes you gotta stop and remember what's important family you know and everybody got to take care of their house so i hope everything is good with all of them and they get through some of these times uh, and get on the other end with a smile on their face yeah no and i appreciate you hopping in like this is a situation where you know we're talking about all right what are we gonna do before the show where should we start because there's so many different things to, to start with the golden state warriors right now who got absolutely rocked last night for a second consecutive game final score one 141-105 to the New Orleans Pelicans. They finished their longest homestand of the season, 2-5. and five. They're three games below 500. And, and Jason, this is kind of where I want to start. To me, though last night and the last two nights, I don't think are a reflection of who each and every person is within that organization. The last two games, and more so last night, are absolutely an indication of where this team is at. And I certainly hope that it's rock bottom, but with the the lifelessness that the Warriors played with against the New Orleans Pelicans, I mean they gave up you know forty six points in the first quarter, um, got absolutely ran off the floor in the second half. Um, this is a team that right now is searching for answers, and I felt like we got a little bit of an insight as to what a few of them can be post game. And, and you were there, you know, you heard everything coming from the mouths of Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and we're going to dig into all that sound. But from last night. What were you left with feeling after watching a team that was looking up at eight minute mark and seeing pretty much half the house leave Chase Center. Yeah, for the second game in a row at that. Like yeah. there was like six and a half minutes left and it, they were leaving in droves. Um I thought, you know, and from my perspective, I've been here this is my sixth season covering the Warriors. So my perspective starts with that NBA final season where they lost to Toronto. So I don't want to go before that because I wasn't here. But from my vantage point, now that you hear the context, I said, man, we are seeing the end of an era play out in real time. Just the way they're playing, the body language, the lifelessness. Even Steve Kerr, you know, before before last season, I'd say not many people thought Bob Myers was going to leave. Yeah, we knew he had a contract coming up. 
and uh, anything is possible. But I'd say the popular opinion was like, they'll figure something out. He'll re-up. You know, they're taking their time, nothing to worry about. And then as we get closer and closer and closer to the end, and he has no contract, and I think kind of fatigue set in with Bob. And then I also think Bob is extremely smart, and he understood what was going on. He didn't want to be the guy who had to make these really tough, uncomfortable decisions with guys who he employs but is like deeper than that they're his friends it's 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 weird like how does how does bob myers like look clay in the eye and's like you're not worth that anymore we're not going to pay you that how does bob look draymond in the eye and be like dude you're just exhausting like we we can't do this anymore like it's it's tough so i he would never come out and say that's why he retired but when you look and sift through everything, I think he just didn't want to deal with all that. And now he's going to go to Washington and, you know, he has a fresh start. Uh, and probably he probably learned a lesson like, you know what, in Washington, I probably won't get as close as I got to my coworkers as I did in Golden State. Because when you have to make decisions, it's kind of tough because emotions are involved and you're dealing with someone who you really like on a human level. So my long winded point is this, E. We didn't think Bob Myers was leaving heading into the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with Steve. Steve told me to my face, I'm not done coaching. I want to coach for a long time. And I believed him. You know, why would he lie? And I didn't, like, stick it to him and be like, when are you going to sign? But he told me that, so I took it at face value. But now you look at Steve. Last night, I asked him what I thought was a pretty good question. I said, hey, you guys can go on the road. Do you think that's maybe an opportunity to kind of galvanize the troops? You yeah. guys you know, you guys will be forced to be together a little bit. And Steve just said, I hope so. Like, <laughs> like I, he just seems like he is over it. He really does. So if you fast forward to the beginning of the year, rewind to the beginning of the year, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he'll be back. They'll come out. Same thing with Bob. He'll, mm -hmm. he'll be back. They'll figure something out. Now I'm like, Steve might need to take a year or two off. Like, I don't think Steve Kerr is retired from basketball, is going to retire from basketball at the end of this year. But who's not to say after the end of this year, Steve is like, you know what? It was an amazing run. I need a break. I will coach the Olympic team this summer. Yep. That's what I signed up for. And once the Olympics are over... You know, I'm going to go down to my favorite city in the world, San Diego, where I where I live in the off season, <laughs> drink some Coronas, and I'll figure it out from there. That would not surprise me anymore. Just seeing how this year has played out, seeing his body language, the guy looks exhausted every press conference. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the best word. And look, everyone in the Golden State Warriors is trying to find their beach right now. Like everyone's looking for that proverbial Corona, looking to find some sort of, you know, a semblance of positivity, a bit of optimism. And you heard it pretty much up and down the line. There was none of that. Mm -mm. Everyone looks exhausted right now, and that is very concerning for a team that's in game 37 of 82. And yes, there's a little under a month left until the trade deadline, and they're probably going to make a move. But last night made me feel like this, Jay. It was, I walked out of Chase Center, and I don't know what today was going to be. And and in fact, you know everything that that happened this morning with with a lot of our coworkers, of course, piled on top of that. But but this is where sports and reality kind of intertwine sometimes because we look to the Warriors, we look to sports in general as being an outlet from all the different Absolutely. things that we deal with in life. And for for whatever reason, the two just seemed to kind of converge for me last night and, and then this morning, hearing. Everything that that happened to to a few of our you know of course love coworkers, but then also seeing where the Warriors are at, and it just feels like everything's up in the air. I mean, I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. Steve Kerr's exhausted. Curry's exhausted. Everyone is looking for something to cling to right now, and it, it's very difficult to kind of look. We're we're going to sift through all this stuff for the next four hours, but what I was left with is this: everything's on the table. And it was interesting to wake up this morning and hear this piece of sound from Sham Sharania of The Athletic basically vocalizing everything I think we were feeling after listening to all the guys that you were talking about. The mindset in Golden State right now is everyone but Steph Curry is <laughs> on the table. That's their mindset. Now, realistically, this, there's an asterisk, asterisk, right? Like, Clay Thompson, would they want to keep him long-term and keep him in Golden State? I think that's been their hope. 
They have not been able to reach a contract extension with him. We've talked about it. Um, and Draymond Green just got back from an extension. Those are their, those have been their three core guys in the front office. They're big fans of Jonathan Kaminga, big fans of Brandon Podzemski. They're big fans of Trace Jackson Davis. But Wiggins and everyone else on that roster except Steph Curry has to be in play for this team. They're going to be looking to make moves. The tough part is, if we know this, the other teams know that. They know their value is so low right now. Right. If you're Andrew Wiggins, if you're Draymond, if you're Clay, so like, what can you even get for them? The, the problem the problem also is like, you want to make moves, you want to be aggressive, but they also don't want, from what I'm told, they don't want to take long-term money back. You don't want to take another massive contract back. So you think about a guy like Zach Levine. Can't do it. Who's making three years, you know, he's got a, almost $140 million after this season. And honestly, hanging over all this is Steve Kerr's contract status as well. He's expiring. Uh, contract. Uh, there's no sign of a new deal as of right now for him either. Wow. And so this Warriors team, they're teetering right now. As we're just under a month until the trade deadline, I think they will be active. Everyone but Steph Curry has to be in play. From that, from last night, I heard fragility. I heard the Golden State Warriors are in a state of fragility right now, and everything is on the table. And whatever happens, it might happen today. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. I think that Joe Lacob in the building for the last two nights saw people leave. He saw lifelessness in this team. And I think he's the kind of guy that would take action on a day like today. I didn't necessarily think the Warriors would pull pull the trigger prior to the deadline. I think they would kind of be in that assessment mode, Jason. But after last night, if something happened today, I would not be surprised. No, not at all. And I don't think the Warriors are one trade away. If, if they want to contend this year, they need to make multiple trades. And to make multiple trades, you should probably start sooner rather than later. Remember, I believe it was two years ago when the Lakers completely just transformed their team midseason. Mm-hmm. They they acquired a bunch of different wings, Richie Hachimura and, and, and some of those guys. And they went from a team... Was that even last year? It that was last it, season, yeah. They, yeah, they flipped. They got year. Vanderbilt in. They sent off Russell Westbrook. They got they completely flipped it, and, yeah. And pre-trade, they were kind of like a Warriors team right now, like like fighting for a playing spot. They transformed their team into a Western Conference Finals team. They got swept, I believe, by the Nuggets, but they were four. Still made the Conference Finals, yeah. And it was one of those weird sweeps. Every single game came down to like the last two possessions. Like it was a it was a close series, even though it was a sweep. Uh, but my point is, they didn't wait to the trade deadline. They were dealing. They made like two, three deals within like a three week span. And we're what the trade deadline's February eighth. We're coming up to about the three week mark. Mm-hmm. Warriors need to start making deals now if they want to, if they believe they can make a NBA Finals run. If they just make one move, like, come on, we see the product out there. I'm just being real. Don't make me make you mad with facts. Like, they don't got it. They just don't. Draymond, I think the world of him as a player, he's not going to change what we saw the last two nights. He might be a little more vocal, and he might help some other things, but... This is a group that does just does not seem connected, point blank, period. It's a group that's kind of dejected. I don't like the body language. I, I hate what Clay Thompson said about the booze. He can genuinely believe that because I can kind of see why he would feel that way. Like, I would maybe feel that way, too. But you got to read the room, man. And he didn't obviously he didn't mean to do it. Steph just being himself. But then Steph made him look 10 times worse when yeah. Steph came in and gave the mature adult guy who is a face of the franchise and a leader when he made his comments. And then I hear Shams say that everyone's on the table and Shams is getting that from someone. He he's. He always hits the nail on the head. He 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 is very 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 plugged in. I hear him say that, and the first thing I thought about was Clay Thompson. What he said because two nights ago, even through their struggles, I would say Clay's not getting traded. He's not going out like that. At the very least, they just won't resign him. You know, and and you know they'll celebrate him, be like, hey, we're you know we're not going to resign Clay Thompson. But there's going to be a statue of him. I didn't think it would be anything abrupt like a trade just because of the history, you mm-hmm. know. But after that comment and then hearing what Sham said this morning, yeah, Clay can get traded. He ain't losing sleep over this. 
Look, I, I am not one of those guys where it's like athletes have to bow down to your fans and athletes have to be so accommodating. But people invest a lot of money to see this product. People care a lot about this product. And I'll tell you, the moment a fan feels like he or she cares more than the athlete, that's when they turn on you. And I posted that clip of Clay yesterday. You should see my mentions. <laughs> they Clay Clay lost a lot of people saying that, and I understand why. Whether you think it's fair or not, it's just the reality of the situation. Let's hear what Clay Thompson had to say after the game when he was asked about the boos or the boo birds at back-to-back nights. Hey, um, you guys have been booed each of the last two home games. Obviously, you're not used to that. Um, how do you care. How do you handle that? Are you supposed to lose sleep over it? I don't know if you're supposed to lose sleep over it, but you're supposed to care. Yeah, absolutely. You're supposed to sound like you care. Like Clay Thompson, and and I, I still don't think they're going to trade Clay. I do think that there is enough of a commitment to the big three that he wouldn't be moved. But if it happened, I'm I'm at the point where I, I, I'm not shocked. I would not be shocked about anything that the Warriors do from this point on. And what I hear when I hear Clay Thompson say that, and it's it's so funny because Clay Thompson prides himself on being someone that is present and that likes to be in the moment. But when I hear that combined with some of the breadcrumbs that he's left throughout the last year and a half, and I understand he's, he's fought back from injuries that no other athlete has had to suffer through and come back and then been successful from. But he sounds like someone that is stuck in the past. He sounds like someone that is still looking to cling to whatever is left of this dynasty. However much is of, of, of it is left, Jason, that to me is what I hear when I hear Clay Thompson saying, so what? I don't care about booze. What am I supposed to do about it? I understand he's trying to, you know, kind of be the guy that's saying, look, you know, we, we can't focus on it. I, I understand what he's what he's trying to say, but how it came off and how it sounds is just absolutely that's not what you should say after that kind of game, after these back-to-back games, combined with what you talked about with Stephen Curry. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not even sure what he was trying to say. I'm not even I'm not even convinced he was trying to give that message, what you said, because I, I know what you mean. Like, hey, it's out of our control. I can't lose sleep over it. Like, I'm not even sure. I, I actually think he genuinely doesn't care because the way he scoffed at the question, I know he has a history with Connor Letourneau that Connor has had a couple articles about Clay and they don't see eye to eye or Clay doesn't really put a Put it right there. Clay doesn't really like Connor. Clay's sensitive too. Yeah, Clay is sensitive, and Connor is a journalist first before anything. Connor, that now Connor definitely is not going to lose sleep that Clay doesn't <laughs> like him. He, yeah, Connor does his job. He writes what he's want to write, and he's not going to be bullied into writing anything else. Not implying that Clay like bullied him, but I know for a fact they've had their differences over some of the pieces Connor has wrote. So it could have been the messenger. Maybe if I had to ask Clay that, or you, or Kareth Burke, or something, maybe Clay would have had a different reaction. Maybe it was more tied to Connor. Mm. But I am not convinced that Clay didn't mean it. Like, Connor didn't even have the words out of his mouth. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it's like, come on. It's almost like a defense mechanism, maybe, like, because you, you probably do care. Really, Clay. The people who say they don't care about they care. something, they care. Clay, that happened earlier this year. I think it was with Tim. Yep. Tim uh, asked him something about not even related to coming off the bench. Oh, you think I need to get benched? I don't. I, I don't care what people are saying. I, I I don't care. He cares a lot, and maybe he just needs to embrace that more. No one would fault you for caring. It's kind of your livelihood. It's kind of what you've dedicated your life doing. If you said you cared and you were a little sensitive to what people said, I don't think me or you would, would laugh at that. No, I think we'd we'd respect it. Yeah. I think we'd come off saying, yeah, you should care. You just got blown out by 36. You were down 41 points in the second half. You just gave up 76 points in the first half to Toronto a couple days ago. Like, you should care about the right. way this season's going. And yet, to come out and say that I don't care about how fans are feeling, and, and you know this maybe better than anyone, Jay, you're from Philly. West Coasters don't boo. Right. West Coasters do not boo, and they've booed back-to-back games. The Boo Birds came down in the second quarter when they're down 25. That is something you should care about. 
Absolutely. It would be like if someone, if you just heard people saying you're a bad radio host. Like, what, you, you don't care about that? Of course you care. You work really hard to be a good radio host. That's what you want to do for a living. It's what you do do for a living. Anyone who has any sort of dignity and self-pride cares about what they do and the product they put forth when they've spent a lot of time trying to hone in on that craft. So the fact that you say you don't care, first, is not believable. Second, read the room, Clay. And you you hit the nail on the head with the booze. Like, I, I said last night on Cron during my report, like... It was surprising to hear on Sunday. I didn't think it was wrong or anything. I'm not saying people shouldn't have booed, but it caught me by surprise. Mm -hmm. it, it really did. I've never heard that since I've been here. Um, and it's, but it's a product of where they have fallen. They have high expectations. This is a team that won an NBA Finals two years ago. And I said this last year when Andrew Wiggins was away for the, from the team for so long. And, you know, I know people go back and forth on whether we're allowed to talk about that and how deep we get into it. Here's a fact, though. I said it last year. I said Andrew Wiggins is lucky he plays in a city and in a market like the Bay Area. They're a little more understanding. They're not as intense. And that's not a slight. It's just it's just how I feel. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In Philly, he would have had to answer some questions. Like, there would have been like, where are you? Why aren't you playing? You know, one, two weeks. But once you start getting into the multiple months of being gone, he... He, people would have asked, like, where where's Andrew Wiggins? And it's the same thing this year. Wiggs is lucky. Like, no one has really honed in on him. Yeah, he gets tweets and stuff. But, like, he has completely forgotten how to play basketball. 11 points in three days. In three games. I'm yeah. sorry. 11 combined points in three games. That many? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it, it, he doesn't even look to shoot the ball. It's like when he gets the ball, it's almost like hot potato now. He doesn't even want the ball in his hands. Two years ago, not even two full years ago, lat June of 2022, Andrew Wiggins was the second best player on a championship team doing everything. Now he can't get anything right. And it's just like... It's mind-boggling. Now, I know people say, well, this is kind of the norm. Like, Andrew Wiggins' championship season was an anomaly, but he was never this bad in his career. I agree. You could you could question his passion and his intensity, but even, like, a, a lifeless Andrew Wiggins is still, like, kind of just floating to, like, 15 and 6, 16 and 6. Now it's just a chore to get him to double digits. He has the worst plus-minus on the team, by far. And he went from having a pretty decent contract because he took a discount to mm -hmm. stay. He could have gotten much more after that championship season. He went from having being a nice player on a discount to now it's like 
he might have to be a salary dump player. Like, for someone to take Andrew Wiggins off the Warriors' hand, you might have to include Moses Moody to make it appealing. Yeah. You no. know what I mean? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I think what showed me where Andrew Wiggins is at, you're talking about the fall from grace. Two years ago, he was the second best player in the final series. Last night, he was in the white flag lineup. He was on the floor when the game was over because Steve Kerr was trying to get anything he could out of him. And I know we got people that care. The Warriors may have not looked like they cared last night, but we got people that cared. 888-957-9570 here on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings and Jason Dumas in for Matt Steinmetz and Daryl the Guru Johnson. Also a reminder, you can catch all four hours of Steinie and Guru on the free Odyssey app, plus watch us on YouTube and Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. We want to hear from you, whether it's about Clay's comments, should he care about booze, does Andrew look Andrew Wiggins look like he cares at all? Do the Warriors need a move right now? Do they have any time to wait? And also, Curry said something I thought was very revealing post game. We're going to get into that on the other side as we continue here on Steiny Goo. I see you all eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number. We're back after this on the five seven the game. We have a standard that's pretty evident that if things stay the same, you know, that's the definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So now back to Steiny and Guru. Take it away, Steiny. Appreciate that, Steph. Nomad Steinmetz, he's out today dealing with something in a personal matter. Daryl the Guru Johnson, also out of North Carolina. If they're listening, just want to say we love you guys, and we hope you're back soon. Evan Giddings in with Jason Dumas here on 95.7 The Game. That was Stephen Curry after the Warriors' 141-105 loss last night to the New Orleans Pelicans. In reference to, Jay, just how much can you prove between now and the trade deadline, essentially, in order to... Prove to us, prove to yourselves, prove to the front office that this doesn't need to be broken up. And it's interesting. Yesterday we were discussing the concept of of leadership and individually Stephen Curry. And if there's any fair you know, criticism, I've never looked at Steph as the most vocal guy. And I've never looked at him as someone that demands trades and wants people out and wants people in and wants to shake things up, this, that, and the other. Not that he's had to do that in recent years because of how much success they've had. But that, to me, is Stephen Curry's version of vocal leadership. That is his version of saying, this cannot continue. And I don't know if he's speaking about a trade. I don't know if he's speaking to the agendas that we've kind of had breadcrumbing their way throughout the season. I don't know if he's speaking about the narratives that have been surrounding this team, but that looked like a chef to me who is not happy with his kitchen. And he's looking around saying, this guy's not doing this. I'm not playing my best basketball. The coaches aren't playing. They're coaching their best. Something's got to happen. Steph has to call up LeBron and ask for advice. <laughs> LeBron is LeBron is very well-versed in in getting guys traded and getting what he wants yeah. to get a roster that's suitable in his mind to compete for NBA championships. Steph, you know, I say that in jest. Steph is just, that's not him. You know, we're all different. LeBron, you know, is a guy who feels comfortable asserting his will and his, his power in that way. Steph has equally as as much power with the Warriors that LeBron does with any team he plays for. But Steph is kind of the guy where I'm going to do the job that you guys pay me to do to the best of my ability, and I'm going to expect and just hope you guys do your job. He's not really going to lean on you that much, but maybe Steph has to do that. And it's easier said than done, especially with this group. LeBron has never played with someone and had as long of a tenureship as Steph has had with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Most recently, it was Andre Iguodala. Obviously, he retired, but Steph has been playing with like lifers his whole his whole career. So it's it's easier said than done. But now you look at this roster, and about two weeks ago, when I was hosting all week, I I said at ad nauseum that they had four tradable guys who I said said was realistic that they could deal. It was Jonathan Kaminga, 
it was Andrew Wiggins, it was Chris Paul, and it was Draymond Green. Hmm. I was like, those are the four guys who they could probably get something for of realistic value uh, to help their team better, get better. Since then, Andrew Wiggins has played so poorly, you have to wonder, what can you get for Andrew Wiggins? I mean, really, what could you get for him? And... Draymond Green, I still think you could trade him. I don't think they will trade him. I think the messaging would have been totally different if they were planning on trading him with him coming back and that long presser and re-ramping him up. It's a little complicated with Chris Paul now that he's nursing that broken hand. Yeah. Uh, they just gave us that update yesterday. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks. Um and then, you know, the last guy I said was Jonathan Kaminga. He's probably their best trade asset right now. In terms of if you combine potential with production, a low salary cap hit, although if they're going to bring back someone with a big salary, you're going to have to Isn't it crazy we're just throwing Wiggins in? He's a he's a salary match guy. Like you can't Kaminga's making the rookie he's on the rookie scale. You couldn't like trade Kaminga and get back someone like a Pascal Siakam on, on that type of salary, yeah. you, you'd have to add a Chris Paul to make it work or uh, Andrew Wiggins. So th- that's where Andrew Wiggins has come. He's he's salary cap filler. He's not even the guy in the trade where it's like, oh, we're getting him. It's like, we have to attach him to make it work. Do you, do you guys want him? Yeah. Like, it's, what a fall from grace. But the thing is... I don't I don't want to play therapist and like get inside people's head but just through body language it seems like he doesn't really care. And it's for a guy that already like his body language is not necessarily expressive. You know, he's not he's not an energetic, fiery, incendiary individual, but even for his standards he looks he looks checked out. And and I'm with you. You said something in the first segment about how Wiggins has never played this poorly. I agree. He's been inconsistent before, but he's never been this bad. And I don't want to make it about Wiggins because the Warriors got a ton of problems right now that they're trying to solve. That's he why you hear Stephen Curry. He might be up there at number one, though. He might. Well, I think he's taken over for Draymond. Yeah. I mean, it's 1A, 1B. Right. Draymond um, has, yeah. He not exactly helped this season right. due to his own actions. So, But look, I mean... Where do you want to start? 888-957-9570 is the number. We heard Clay Thompson talking about how he doesn't care about booze. He doesn't lose sleep over it. Stephen Curry is saying the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Well, the Warriors just lost back-to-back games in which they got absolutely worked. I mean, just wire-to-wire defeats. They did not lead for a single second in last night's game. The closest they trimmed it was to 10 in that third quarter, and then it ballooned up to 41, eventually fell by 36 points to the New Orleans Pelicans. 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings and Jason Dumas filling in for Steiny and Guru. Let's get out to Hayward. John's been waiting on patiently. What's up, John? What do you got? Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, good, man. How are you? Good, good. I was just kind of thinking, you know. Sorry, John. You're, you're kind of breaking up. Please call back and we can try and get you on with a better connection. Let's Take go us to... off speaker, John. <laughs> yeah. Let's get out to Petaluma. What's up, Marillo? You're on 95.7 The Game with Evan and Jason. Hey, guys. What's up? Let me just correct Steph here. That's not the definition of insanity. It's the definition of stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> guys, uh... First, before I go to my take, my condolences to, you know, to the family, to the, the 957 family. Tough, uh, tough morning, but Thanks, let's, let's keep pushing. Look, I'm going to go macro here. I know it's easy to go micro and complain about a player or two and ask for a trade. I'm going to go a little broader. Uh, collaborative. That's the word we've been hearing from the Warriors since the Jerry West days. Everything we do is collaborative. All of our drafts are collaborative the way we play, the way we decide who's playing, right? I haven't seen that collaboration since Clay Thompson got hurt. And here's the thing. I believe in the collaborative in the sense of they all gather opinions from each other in terms of making a decision. But no decision is made without the consent of Joe Lacob. And I felt like ever since Joe Lacob decided to allow them to open a daycare for under-20-year-old drafts, that don't know how to play the NBA basketball, might have an upside but have no feel of all these drafts. Only guy that has a feeling for what we're trying to do is Pajemski, but he's not physical enough and he's not 
his body's not ready to if Pajemski was six and seven, oh my god, he wouldn't be here. He would be a very higher drafted player. Because he has a brain to play and we have a, we filled this team with kids who can play. And I felt like ever since there has been a separation between the front office, the vets and the young players because I don't think the vets wanted these guys. They might say they like them on the individual level, personal, but I don't think they like these guys on the court. And I felt like 2022, just to wrap up my call, was a stick it to your face, Joe Lacob, because we won without these kids playing, except for pool in, in some spurts moments. And still, they doubled down on it going on. They bring PBJ. They bring all these young guys. So I think, like, that separation never ended. They have never been on the same page. I haven't heard about Joe Lacob paying champagne for anyone ever since. So that's my call, guys. Have a good day. Thanks. I mean, look, I, I get his sentiment. But at some point, even if it's Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, you have to understand that it's a business. Younger guys are going to get drafted. They are going to want to prolong the success of this industry. Now, I'm not saying sacrifice Steph's prime to bring him around nothing but childs, but I think it would be an indictment on the organization and on the vets if they can't embrace some of these young guys and help groom them and help make them ready. Like, Jonathan and Kaminga and Moses Moody, they're good players. You should be able to get them involved without feeling like you're babysitting. Every championship team has some young guys who are playing pretty well. The Nuggets, Christian Brown, he he got minutes on a championship team. He was a rookie. You know, Peyton Wallace on the Nuggets had a great game. You know what? You know what Mike Malone did on that game last week against the Warriors? Played him. Played him. Bench Michael Porter Jr., a champion for his young guy who's knocking down three after three after three right in front of that Warriors bench. So I get the sentiment. I don't want to completely shut you out of your point, but I disagree. Championship teams need some youth, need some energies, and great teams learn how to implement those guys and win with them too while also making their vets feel like they have a chance. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you're eventually, you're going to have rookies, you're going to have young players on your team, and and maybe I, I think the the point of the call was there is onus on the front office, not for the implementation of trying to bring in young and mix it with old, but what I took away from that is the right guys weren't necessarily identified. Like for example, like Christian Brown, yes, he was a rookie and he played in a rotation for a championship team. He's also a national champ. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he also played big minutes in big games at the University of Kansas. Um, Join Strother, who's who's playing for them right now, played against Zag. Like these are guys that were more groomed and well equipped to handle the NBA. I lost someone like Brandon Pachemski, who I don't think like this. It's not a coincidence to me that he's playing more in this system because he understands how to fit within a team concept. I don't think he's necessarily a star. But he certainly can help. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't think Trace Jackson Davis is a star, but he can help at times. Nobody was helping last night outside of maybe Moses Moody. Um, I mean, the most life I saw in last night's game, to be honest, Jason, was when Corey Joseph dove on the floor with like four minutes and 20 seconds left in the second quarter and forced a turnover. That was the most life I saw from the Warriors bench during that entire game, and it involved a guy that I'm not sure I necessarily want to see a whole lot of. Like, right. even Corey Joseph is in the game because Chris Paul's hurt. Because they need a, another point guard. Because they need another ball handler. And the Warriors are in a position where they have to play him. And he's the guy that's trying to light the fire. Like, that's an issue. It's kind of like, you know, against the... I think it was the Denver Nuggets when they when they came and, you know, came back from down 16 in 8 minutes. When Dario Saric was the best offensive player in the, in the first half against him, against Orlando. Like, those are problems. And that, to me, does point to a larger non-coaching-related roster construction type of viewpoint of, are the right players on this team? And that's where I think ownership or the front office, however you want to mix it up, whether it's Joe Lacob or Mike Dunleavy or Bob Myers prior to, 
there is some fault that lies at their feet in addition to, oh, well, Steve Kurtz is not playing the right guys. Like, I don't know what rotation was going to work last night that was going to result in a win when the other team's hitting 19 threes, shooting 60% from the floor, and pretty much just running up and down on you. It was a track meet. Yeah, now, look. Could I don't th- first of all, I don't think Jonathan, even though Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody weren't some of these tenured college guys who learned the system, learned how to kind of play before they went drafted. I don't necessarily think they're bad picks at all. Could could the Warriors have have gone Wagner over 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 Kaminga? Yeah, he he he's really good, and you know you can make that argument. But look, they drafted those guys. Those guys were rookies, right? When they won that mm-hmm. championship, they were rookies. Yeah, didn't expect to play much. They were both kind of raw. Jonathan Kaminga didn't play a second of college basketball. He went to the G League Ignite. So yeah, he was playing pro ball. But once you get to the G League, it's it's not you're not getting really taught. You're just you get thrown out there. Yeah, and. um Moses Moody, you know, he played played a year at Arkansas and then and then left. But they go through their rookie year. They win a national they national championship. I keep talking like it's college. They win an <laughs> NBA, they win an NBA championship. However you want to slice it, right? They got it done. And then the next year should have been that year where they were given a little more uh, responsibility, a little more trust, and. We saw Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb. Anthony Lamb play more than him, and like, it's not like the Warriors were like. The Warriors weren't great last year. They were good. They were one of the eight teams remaining in the NBA. They made it to the second round. Better than they are now. Yeah, they're better than they are now. And honestly, it was it was just a bad matchup with the Lakers. If who I don't know who I can't remember. Lonnie Walker. I can't remember who the Nuggets <laughs> played. Who the Nuggets played to make it to the? They got the Suns in the second round. Suns. Yeah. I would have been a surprise if the Warriors beat the Suns. Like I knew that matchup was going to be tough. They always struggle with Anthony Davis. They always struggle with size. Richie Hachimura, LeBron, just a big team. Mm-hmm. But Kaminga and Moody should have been trusted more. They would have been way more helpful now because, like Moses Moody, is good. He's a good player. He scored 21 points last night. There's been several other games. Like, he can shoot the basketball really well. He's an elite shooter. I wouldn't say the league knows that because he never really gets to show it. But when you see him on tape, when you see the game, one thing you mentioned, Corey Joseph, too, you can never question Moses Moody's effort, Yeah, his heart. He's always on the floor. He's always playing with a high motor. I just never understood that. You should take your lumps. Even if it set you back a couple games last year, because maybe you do trust Ty Jerome a little more. He's a safe player, not going to turn the ball over. He's going to do whatever Coach Kerr asks, play within the offense. Even if it sets you back and you're you're the eighth seed instead of the sixth seed last year, you will be set up way better. But now it's like this is the first year where you trust these guys, and when it doesn't all go to plan and they make one mistake, all of a sudden it's like these guys aren't ready or this and that and this is the third, but they've been done a disservice. I think Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, they're fed up about it too. They they've both come out. Moses is way more diplomatic. Mm-hmm. He he has a lot of Kavan Looney in him. He's gonna say the right thing. And the Warriors are lucky because a lot of other guys would have been spoken up. But we know Moses Moody and the people around him, they, they're looking at their watch like, yo, you are wasting this kid's career. And now they're going to have to make decisions. But I don't think we should fault some of these young guys. They're not perfect players. Who is? But they've been done a disservice because, quote, unquote, Steve Kerr can't trust these young guys. And they don't want to the vets don't want to babysit. It's just not it's not a good environment for for young guys and people need to look themselves in the eyes and stop pointing their fingers at Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. Well, in the last two weeks they haven't meshed. I mean, however you want to slice it, the the vets, the young guys, like no one's played consistently well. That's why they went two and five in their longest homestand of the season. I, I'm I'm kind of with the ninety five here on the Comcast Business Text line. The kids were given a lot of run last year and they failed. Uh, that's why you saw Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome. I don't know if that's why I wanted to see Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome, but I do think if we're going to go back and look at last season, you know, to me, the the losing the first, what, eight games on the road, um, a lot of that did involve Jonathan Kaminga and more, more 
in a bigger fashion, James Wiseman. Like that to me, if we're talking about whiffs, I still don't think that JK is is a bust. Moses Moody obviously is not. The biggest miss was James Wiseman, and that falls at the feet of the front office. But if we're looking at last night, if we're just going to zoom in on last night, Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Moses Moody provided effort last night. He, he looked like he gave a crap. There were other guys that didn't. And there were young guys, both young and old, that didn't look like they were interested in that game beyond the first couple of minutes when they got punched in the mouth. I mean, New Orleans comes out and hits... Five threes in the first four minutes. They go up 14-4. And it's just like everything dissipated. I know they made a little bit of a run in the second half, and it was largely because of Moses Moody. But Kaminga comes out, turnover, first possession. Mm-hmm. Brand Pajemski, minus 31 last night. I think Pajemski's a good player, but he was overmatched. It was and the worst game as a pro. No doubt. And Kerr talked about it post-game and that he hit a rookie wall, or he has hit a rookie wall. And I think that's why there is some reluctance to lean in more so on these young guys. Because in addition to that, the, the ups and downs that naturally occur with a rookie or a young player, you're not getting what you used to get consistently from your OGs. You're also missing Chris Paul and Draymond Green, who have a large voice in that locker room. And on that bench, Stephen Curry is shooting 35% from three-point range his last 20 games. Now, I know they may not seem like a big deal, but when you're a 42 career percent three-point shooter, a 7% drop-off over an extended period of time significant. is significant. Curry had two regular season games in which he had not made a three in his career before this season. He's got two in the last month. Those are signs that in addition to the young guys not being able to you know, bring their best game every single night, Curry's not playing well. Clay was fine last night, but he's been up and down this season. Andrew Wiggins has been a no-show. Draymond Green's been off the floor. Chris Paul is was just finally beginning to find his shot before he fractures his hand. Like They are disjointed to the point where whoever Kerr throws out there, it seems like he's almost guessing. And that is, yes, a reflection of, well, the coach can't find a good combination, but it's, also, it's just a reflection of the roster and the state that the Golden State Warriors are in. And I don't know if there are any easy answers, but to go back to where you kind of picked up the baton in our first segment, everything is on the table when it comes to trades, when it comes to movement, when it comes to reconstruction or retooling. I'm not going to say rebuilding, because I don't think you can do that with a Stephen Curry on the roster, but everything points to me right now with where this season is headed. The Warriors doing everything they can to create as much flexibility financially for this offseason, and that, to me, right now, is probably the goal of the front office and Mike Dunleavy Jr. Yeah, you know, I said this last night, it's like, why, if you're going to stink, at least stink for a cheaper price. Don't be expensive and cheap and, and stink. So you, you, you have to wonder, and I guess we do have a couple weeks to that February 8th deadline. It kind of depends where their record is. If they're trending the same way that they're trending right now, I can see the trade deadline just being salary dumps. Like, look, this year is a wash. We ain't doing anything this year. We're going to get rid of some of these big contracts, get them off our books, be in a better financial state. I don't want to be paying this. I'm speaking for Joe Lacob. I don't want to be paying this high of a luxury tax to be the 12th place team in the Western Conference. I'll pay that if we're competing, but if we're not, people got to go. Yep. And you you hit the nail on the head. Joe Lacobs was in the building the last two days. He sees these people leaving their seats. You know what's next? The resale price of these tickets come down, come down. They start losing money. People stop showing up. That's what's going to happen. They have a pretty crucial four-game road trip. They play the Bulls. They need to win that game. The Bulls stink. Then they play the Bucks. That's going to be a tough one no matter how you shake it. And then they got Memphis. They need to win that game. I don't know if you just saw Marcus Smart out for the next six weeks with that finger. Jaw's out for the season. They already lost Jaw. Got to win that game. Derrick Rose is hurt. They they have no one. Yeah. And then Utah. Like, you have to go 3-1 and one on that road. By the way, Utah's 1-9 of 11. They're a game in front of the Warriors right I now. I saw that. They're the 11th place team. Playing a guy who's been coming up in trade talks, Laurie Markkinen. They might not move him. 
I would I wouldn't move him. He he's good. I would I wouldn't move him if I was the Jazz. I think he's a guy like he's not going to be your best player on a championship team, but he's going to be a guy who helps you win a championship maybe eventually. Like I would keep Lori Markinen. Uh so this is a critical stretch. If they anything like they have to go 3 and 1 on this to to feel good about this team. Okay. Maybe we do need to shake things up, but we can still salvage this season. If they go one and three, two and two is just kind of meh. They're kind of in the same spot. Mm-hmm. But if they go one and three, they'll become sellers, in my opinion. Like, you know, sellers at the deadline. We are not going to stink for this much money. If we're going to stink, we're going to stink as a cheap product, not as an expensive product. That's just business one on one. If you're not going to be good, you at least be good and cheap. Don't be good and expensive. No one likes losing money. No, no one does. And I, I want to dig into some of those numbers on the other side because I, I'm 100% with you. There are some staggering figures for the Golden State Warriors that do not match up with where they're at this season. I also want to hear from the fans at 888-957-9570 after the Warriors get beat by 36 at home to the New Orleans Pelicans. Worst loss of the season if you chalk it up to a wire-to-wire defeat. I mean, they've suffered maybe more crushing losses from a standpoint of blown leads. But back-to-back games, this is the first time that they have been run off the floor in their own building consecutively. And that is a problem. And that raises a red flag for the Warriors to the point where we're hearing everyone but Stephen Curry is on the trade block. What do you want to see from the Warriors in this road trip? What do you want to see from them today? Do you want to see action? Do you want to see them stand pat? Do you want to continue to see them just sort of ride this thing out? What do you want to see? 888-957-9570. Evan Giddings alongside Jason Dumas in for Matt Steinmetz and Daryl the Guru Johnson. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.